This podcast is brought to you by Most Valuable Podcasts, leading the league in podcasting entertainment. Hello, college football fans, and welcome to the Primetime Podcast. My name is Ricky Whitmer, and as always, I'm joined by the one, the only, the suave, Brandon Swanson. Hey, hey, hey. And it's finally here, Brandon. Week one is come and gone. And what a day, like, what a weekend of games. It started, it started out Thursday. We had games like Michigan, Utah, TCU, Minnesota. Then you go off, I think it was, what was it, Friday night you had the Michigan State game. Was Boise State, Washington on Friday? No, that was Saturday. Saturday night you had Boise State, Washington. You had Alabama, Wisconsin. And and you oh. know what? I was so happy about that game. It was it was done by halftime. I could yeah. go to bed. And you ended the weekend, Monday night, Labor Day, Ohio State at Virginia Tech. A game in the first half, a runaway in the second half. I've got to say, I really enjoyed the college football Monday night game. And too bad we're not going to see one for a while. No. the pros are taking it back. Yeah, the pros are taking it over. <laughs> Screw them. Just kidding. But. I, I, I thought that was a really good game. As I told Ricky, I missed the entire first half because I was driving back to my apartment. But mm-hmm. uh, I got there, and my buddy had been telling me, he's like, oh, man, Ohio State looks so good. They look like an NFL team. So he's like, they are like they were up 14 and nothing. But then he, he was telling me he didn't know uh, what the score was at halftime. And I'm thinking, man, they must have run away with it. They must have run away with it or something. I turn it on, and it's like 17 to 14. Holy crap. Well, so and, I, I'm like, wow, you know, I, I, in a sense, I was kind of believing the hype, mm-hmm. but at the same time, like Virginia Tech is not going no, to give man, them a game, for, but they did, but they it, did. It had to, me, to me, it's not Virginia Tech. It is all on their quarterback, Michael Brewer, because I'll be honest, at first Brewer came out, he was kind of slow. The whole Hokie team was slow and their, their cornerbacks were just getting burned burned by the Ohio State wide receivers. Like, Ohio State should have been up more in the first quarter, but they had a little bit of the dropsies, I'll admit. A few hit the hands and fell off, but they get the Curtis Samuel touchdown. They get the 80-yard run by Zeke Elliott. And it, like you said, you're frightened. Like you're th- I'm thinking, oh, what the fuck? I'm thinking, man, I should have never picked Virginia Tech in this game. I'm like, man, I should have just made the safe pick. I should have went with Ohio State. Then I'd be tied with Brandon. Because that's all I'm thinking about during this game is who's coming out on top in our weekly picks, me or you. Because this was the only game that we had different. And then the second quarter happens. You get Michael Brewer, 51 pass to Sam Rogers. Then a field goal. It's like, okay, 14-10. And then right near the end of the half, Virginia Tech charges down, gets a touchdown on the goal line, four plays, goes into the half, 17-14. to And I'm sitting there going, man, this, I'm like, Virginia Tech has a chance to win this game. However, however, we know how that happened because Michael Brewer got injured. And, you know, that's the story of the second half. Michael Brewer gets injured, not just injured. He gets a 300-plus-pound guy to drive him into the ground, and when his shoulder hit the ground, immediately I thought, he's not coming back. 
there's no way you come back that same game when you get your shoulder dri- driven into the ground like that. And and just how demoralizing for Brewer and and for that team, honestly, because you know Ricky tries to tell me that they would have won the game if it would have been if, close. If, if, that they didn't, won. If, if that didn't happen, they they would not have won. But they would have been really much closer than what it was. It ended up being forty-two to twenty-four, really forty-two to seventeen. They pretty much shut them out in the second half. Um, the the last touchdown was garbage time. But how about how about we we spin this a little bit? And I, okay. I just some final things. Yes, I, I I feel terrible for Brewer. You never want to see a young kid go go down like that. It's, but you it's, just want to talk about it's it's terrible to see. But you know, at the end of the day, what team really fucking matters? It's not Virginia <laughs> Tech. Well, hey, um, it's it's going to be this all, game, the Ohio Ricky. This quiet. game mattered just because it was Ricky, the rematch. Ricky, Ricky, Ohio State is the team that people are going to talk about this year. And let's talk about the guy who people are definitely talking about right now. And he's not a quarterback anymore. It's Braxton, Braxton Miller. Miller. I, I mean, first come on. I'm thinking, is he going to bring up Cardell? Nah. Or Braxton? Because you had, not only did Braxton Miller have the amazing touchdown, the 54-yard touchdown grab from Cardell. And you're sitting there going, okay, okay, he can catch a ball. Okay, maybe he can play wide receiver. Then he just busts out this run, this massive run. And what is he? what's the cherry on top of this run? The Madden like spin move. The little what? And then uh and got like, it like like Chris Berman. That's what he did. However, I will say uh Herb Street was like, Man, I don't I don't play Madden that much, but I think that's the B button. And in my like in my head and then out loud I said, Well actually now it's a little bit more complicated. You gotta take the stick and move it to the right and then swing it over like semicircle over to the left or swing it over to the right it's a little bit more complicated clearly than ricky button. plays it a lot i do play a lot however it's i will say about madden the new total control passing fucking sucks it sucks can't can't fucking do it but ricky says that because he's obviously losing it it, it oh it just it's mm, don't get me that's it that's a conversation for a different day but i'm gonna pose the question and it's brandon what the video what the podcast is called with this win, the 42 to 24 victory. Did Ohio state save the big 10 in week one? Reason why I ask is the losses for the big 10 Utah beats Michigan. TCU beats Minnesota. You have temple beats Penn state. BYU beats Nebraska, Alabama beats Wisconsin and Marshall the CUSA team beats Purdue. Are they the savior of the Big Ten? Just for week one. No, not just for week one. They'll be the savior of the Big Ten for this season. I mean, you, you have to look at it. It's Ohio State. If, they're, mm-hmm. if they are anywhere near what they were last year, and I believe they'll be better, you know, it's that's going to be something to watch. I think Ohio state is always going to be right there at the top. I mean, at least for the time being mm-hmm. they're there at the top. They're the team that's really going to carry the big 10. Is that to say that Wisconsin's not going to, they will. Wisconsin, Wisconsin definitely just will. ran into a buzzsaw though. Which what are you going to do? What are you going to do? Alabama is a darn good team. 
they showed it, and I just have to say, I've been saying it for a while, and people were probably thinking, eh, I don't know about that. Mm-hmm. Jake Coker is the real deal. The kid showed so much confidence in that game on Saturday night. I was so happy is to see how well he confidence did. Is it just his confidence or how confident he is in the Lane Kiffin system? Man, you're jumping all over this Lane Kiffin <laughs> system, aren't you? You've yeah, been jumping I, I on lo- it. I love no, Lane Kiffin. You know what? Uh, Lane, Lane Kiffin's really in a spot right now where he will succeed. And uh, again, you know, it's uh, it's come back. It comes back to the question that I asked. You know, some not the or the question, rather the comment of some guys are just really born to be coordinators, while others are born to be mm-hmm. uh, coaches. Uh, Lane Kiffin is a is a darn good uh, coordinator, and I think right for the for the time being, uh, Alabama is so. Happy to have him. But Jay Coker is very good. He's very confident. That game, I mean, Wisconsin's not an easy team to mm-hmm. play. They're they're not. They're good. Yes, they lose some pieces, but every team does. Alabama did. And they still have so much. Derek Henry, beast mode. Kid's good. But um, you know, one one team getting away from Ohio State a little bit. Are we staying in the Big Ten now? Yes, we okay. are. Okay. Hate me. Are you going to bring up the team I'm thinking about? Northwestern. Oh, I wasn't even. I was not even thinking about them. How about that? And shocker. At the end of the day, it was a shock. At the end of the day, is it Northwestern was better, or or Stanford's Stanford was just, just that pathetic? It, I watched some of that game. It, the way here's how my schedule. My schedule on Saturday was a little bit messed up during the day. The reason being was, obviously, you guys, the passionate listeners of the Primetime Podcast, know that my number one team, I bleed orange and blue. I'm a fighting Illini fan, Illinois, all the way, every day till I die. One of the main reasons why I can't stand Northwestern, I will always hate Northwestern. I will not. That's more of a me living in Chicago, being an Illinois fan, can't stand Northwestern. So... The Illinois game gets canceled on Friday because I plan to watch that Friday and then I could watch this game and the Big Ten games because that's kind of the games I focus on just because I'm a Big Ten guy and I can just give all my attention to this game. However, Illinois games gets canceled at the same time as the Northwestern Stanford game. So on my TV, I have the Stanford Northwestern game going on, but it's on mute because on my I have my computer open. I have my Mac to the side because I have a PC and a Mac. My Mac is streaming the Illinois game. And obviously that has the sound because that's the one I care about. So was I able to focus 110% on the Stanford Northwestern game? Not as much as I would if Illinois wasn't playing. I focused more on that one. The one takeaway, though, I came away from with this game is Stanford's offense just stalled. So much in this game. And, I mean, you look at the final stats and, yeah, 20 of 35 from Hogan, 155 yards. You had about 66 yards from uh, McCaffrey on the ground. But when, like, it never translated into points. Never translated into points. And Northwestern didn't do that much better. They didn't do much better. When you score 16 points and win 16 to 6, I kind of have the feeling of, did you win that game, or did the other team just let you win that game? Unless it's like Alabama-Auburn. But when it's Alabama-Auburn, the score is like 42-38 to 38 because both teams are scoring nonstop. 
It's never a 16 to six game. See, you know what? When I was watching that game, I just thought that I thought it seemed like Northwestern was that much better. Their defense was that much better. I I just think that at the end of the day, I think it was more staff. I, I mean, but but I I guess I'm I'm struggling here because. I do think Stanford's a better team than that. Mm-hmm. It's just surprising that Stanford came out so flat-footed. This was a team that we were saying, are they going to be able to just give the Ducks a run for their money in the Pac-12? Because obviously the other side of the football the in the Pac-12, you have Arizona State who lost their game. You have USC, UCLA, and um, Arizona. They're going to dogfight it out for the top spot in their division. Here's the big game for Northwestern. And now after the Stanford win, I'm circling even more because this is going to be the next game to show us, okay, are they a real team this year at Duke, September 19th? Because Eastern Illinois, that's a win for that's a win for Northwestern. I'm just going to give it to them, even though I hate them. However, Duke, Duke is a real football team. Can they beat Duke? That is the question now. Because I mean, if they can beat Stanford, and Stanford was supposed to be really good, maybe they can beat Duke. That's why I'm circling this game only because only because the Wildcats were able to beat Stanford in Week One. That's it. Well, um, I think that the game against Duke's going to be really telling and, 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 and very interesting because um, I, I kind of peg Duke as, as one of the better teams um, coming out of the ACC. 25 in our preseason top 25. Yeah, so I, I think Stanford, uh, I, I, I won't say has um, a handful, but I don't think it's going to be a cakewalk for week two. Here's a team I want to bring up. Other side of the spectrum. A team that we expected to win week one, but did not. Penn State. Losing 27-10 to 10 to <laughs> yeah. Temple. And the most important takeaway from this game, I will say I did not, I was not able to catch much of this game because I was focusing on the two games in the state of Illinois. But Christian Hackenberg? 11 of 25, 103 yards, no touchdowns and interception. We're talking about a kid that we're saying probably, or not probably, he will be one of the top three quarterbacks taken in the NFL draft. And he comes out and just lays an egg week one. I was going to say the same thing, just laid an egg. I mean, I couldn't believe that they lost that badly. Mm-hmm. I mean, 27 to 10, I, they didn't put up a fight. And I didn't think Temple was that was that good. I, again, I think, that, you know, this time, I, I as opposed to the other time, I thought that North Northwestern's defense was, was the reason. Here, I think it's the inability for Penn State to, to get anything going. And on James offense. Franklin did say, earlier today that he's going to take a bigger role in the offense heading into this week's game against Buffalo. Because to me, they got to beat Buffalo now. I mean, were we ever going to question that Buffalo is going to beat them? No, but 
if they get upset now by Buffalo, they're going 0-2 into their first Big Ten game next week against Rutgers. Because the Penn State-Rutgers game is always the really early one. That's usually the first game in the conference these two play since Rutgers came over. It's usually the game to open up just the Big Ten conference play. However, it doesn't help Hackenberg when you have uh, Connor Cook. Yeah, he was playing Western Michigan, but he goes ahead and throws for 250 yards, two touchdowns, no INTs, and then Cardell Jones, only 186 yards and two touchdowns and one INT. I mean, obviously those stats lean a little bit more towards Connor Cook, but when you got both of the other quarterbacks that are going to rival you in the NFL draft outperforming you, that kind of has to throw a red flag. Am I wrong? It's throwing a red flag for me. How about another team that lost? This one on the other spectrum. I was having a discussion with one of my old colleagues when the onside kick used to be way back in the day when we used to be on fan-sided radio. And we were talking about the Purdue-Marshall game, the one that was on Sunday. And he was saying that he's a Big Ten guy, he's a Nebraska guy, and he was saying that like he's rooting for Purdue, and I'm like, with me, I can't root for Purdue. It's kind of like Northwestern, but not as strong. They're a rival of Illinois. If they lose every game, I'm happy. However, I'm more of a Marshall fan. I'm like, man, Marshall's going to roll over the Boilermakers. Purdue played them tough, but they lost by 10. I know this wasn't a huge shocker because most people had Marshall winning, but just to throw it out there, Brandon, does this loss mean anything in the Big Ten? Did Purdue have to win this game to kind of bring up the credibility of the Big Ten in Week One? No, because of the Penn State loss, no, the Wisconsin loss. No, no, no. I, 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 I think, I think it's because Purdue was never. Sounds bad. Uh, I don't think Purdue was ever credited with mm-hmm. any part of the Big Ten being good or bad. I mean, uh, they uh, produce just the team that you're just kind of like, yeah, they're they're in the cellar yeah. again. No surprise. So, I mean, saying, I don't think you really count them. I'm not saying, like, you're expecting them to be good. I'm just saying, it, think about it at this point in time when the game started. Wisconsin had already lost to Alabama. You have Nebraska already lost to BYU. Michigan already lost to Utah. Minnesota already lost to TYU. Penn State already lost TCU. to Temple. Well, TCU. All these Big Ten teams had already lost. Did they need to win this game to kind of bring back up the respect? I mean, now it doesn't matter because Ohio State kind of did that for them by beating Virginia Tech. But did Purdue need to win this game to kind of say, okay, it doesn't matter that all these other Big Ten teams lost. We shocked the world. We beat Marshall. Yeah, going go with another old Michigan quote from the uh, Fab Five. We gonna shock the world. I'm just, I'm just laughing because <laughs> I feel like if 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 Purdue won a game, it wouldn't be necessarily shocking the world. If Purdue won a game against an Ohio State, then you yeah. start to shock at least half the world. <laughs> but no, I, 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 I see where you're coming from. Mm-hmm. But I think at the end of the day, people. You know, you have upsets, you have games like that, that happens. I don't think people will look and go, oh, Big Ten is garbage this year, except for Ohio State. I don't think they'll do that. Again, like you said, I mean, uh, Wisconsin went up against a buzzsaw. 
I don't think well, Michigan's going to be that good, but I think that, you know, at the end of the day, there's these teams that are going to be better um, than, than, than what they may have played this, well, this I first mean, week. The reason I throw that out there is coming into week one, maybe this is just me, maybe I'm in the minority, but Michigan-Utah. Did I expect Michigan to win a little bit, but I could have saw Utah winning. So that's kind of a in-the-middle game. I didn't really know who to pick. I knew Minnesota was going to lose the TCU. However, good thing for Minnesota that they played them close. You knew that other team, the other teams that did win, I knew that they were going to win, except for Northwestern. I thought Stanford would win, obviously. But Penn State thought they were going to beat Temple. Thought Nebraska was going to beat BYU. The only teams in the Big Ten I had losing, Purdue. I had the, obviously, Northwestern losing. I didn't pick that. Minnesota and maybe Michigan, four. However, we got we got shocked where Penn State went down, Nebraska went down. Wisconsin, I knew they weren't going to beat Alabama. So, to me, that loss doesn't shock me. It's mainly the Nebraska-Penn State. Especially the way BYU beat Nebraska on that last second Hail Mary. End of the game, just throw it up there. Pray to the heavens that my receiver comes down with it, and he did. I mean, how often does that happen? And their quarter, their first string quarterback got injured in this I game. I know. It's like next to none that that happened. This is It'll, like... You know what? You know what? It never happens? This is like when I need my stuff. fantasy player to catch the fucking ball. <laughs> this that is never like, happens. This is like... PlayStation Three, when you would, when you're able to play the EA college game because they don't make it for the PlayStation Four now, and your quarterback gets injured, and you're coming with the second stringer, and you win the game. No, this is like now in Madden, fifteen, sixteen. What? What? what the is aggressive it catch. The, the aggressive catch. <laughs> yards away he just he dives over everyone puts one arm out and catches the damn ball like you freaking kidding me this is a side note but because you brought up the aggressive catch did you see the video where somebody in madden 16 before the play audibled every single defensive player to go man coverage on megatron threw the ball to him and he brought it down Caught the ball with every single defensive player on him in man coverage. That's how overpowered receivers are in Madden. Just take that into consideration. Calvin's really good. But before we get into, because we got to get into other games. We can't talk about the Big Ten, although I'd love to talk about the Big Ten all podcast. Brandon, I'm throwing this question at you because before week one, you didn't respect the Golden Gophers at all. Why would I? After you saw their play against TCU, are are you at least a semi-believer in Minnesota in the Big Ten this season? I don't know if I'm a semi-believer in Minnesota in the Big Ten this season. They still lost the game. Yeah, but did you see how much they held TCU? Hold on. TCU could have blew them out of the water. They held TCU to 24 points. 23. I thought it was 24 to 17. 23 to 17. Oh, well. Yeah. Jeez, excuse me. Just a little. We correction. should just stop the whole podcast now and start <laughs> over. Sorry. Um, no, but 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 still, they 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 held TCU in the twenties. They had seventeen points of their own. Minnesota's gonna have to do more to show me that they're they're good. Mm-hmm. I mean, outside of one week, again, you can't you can't go by one week. You just can't do it. But can I say yes? They surprised me in a positive way. I can say that. 
I'm going to say this is the exact reason why coming into this season, Minnesota's my dark horse in the in college football in the Big Ten. And before we move on, I kind of have to throw it out there because I'm not going to be able to say this many more games this year. How about them fighting a line? I know it was Kent State, but you fire your head coach a week before this game, not even a week before this game. They were like, screw it. And they come out and win 52 to three. Yeah, that was great. Just blew the, just took the top off the defense. You had West Lunt, four tutties in the game. You had the backup quarterback, uh, uh, the backup. I think he's a redshirt freshman, uh, Crouch coming in. And, yeah, redshirt freshman from Grainsville, Ohio, coming in, getting a touchdown himself, playing a little bit. Does it mean anything? Does it mean anything that Illinois won 52-3? to Yeah, it means they got to win week one. Well, besides that. They usually win the first game, but it's usually not 52 to 3. You know, you can only hope that that means like the team's coming together, the team's rallying. I, I think a lot of times, whatever sport it is uh, baseball, football, basketball, mm-hmm. a coach is fired. A coach is fired. And they rally. And then, they bring, the then they bring in a new guy. Players really, I think, do look to rally. Mm-hmm. They they want to show this new guy something. They want to prove themselves to the new guy, especially a guy who knows the team as well as Cubit does. And and I think they want to prove some to each other and say, "Hey, you know what? We can do this. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter, you know, if our if our coach just was let go or anything. You know what? Let's step up. Let's win. Let's win this game. Let's go." I mean, I think I think that really gets them going, and they can get a uh, rallying around that. First game I'm going to mention outside of the Big Ten this podcast. What is your takeaway from seeing a score? I know it was Tennessee Martin and the Skyhawks. You did this preview in our top 25. I know it was Tennessee Martin, but 76 to three Old Miss over the Skyhawks. You had Chad Kelly two touchdowns. You had Buchanan two touchdowns. You had Devante Kincred or Kincred Kincadad one touchdown. You had three different guys scoring five touchdowns in the passing game from the just in the passing game. Then you had three guys combined on four rushing touchdowns in this game. That's absurd. I know, like I said, I know it's Tennessee Martin. But seventy-six to three? Are we we're not gonna see this in the SEC, but Old Miss, can they be contenders? Am I overlooking the Rebels? Were were, were I overlooking them coming into the season, B Dog? We we may have been. Um I, <laughs> I didn't expect seventy-six to three. I'll no, I don't think that. anyone ever expects seventy-six points. Mm-hmm. Um Especially when on the other side it's three, but um, you know at the at the at the end of the day, I, I think Ole Miss really has to they they garner a whole lot of respect and they they come into this week as the number seventeen team. Uh, you you really have to look at them. I, I know in my when in in my week two top twenty five, I, I think I rated them a little higher. Mm-hmm. Uh, than than that only because I think we I mean, had them at eleven. I mean, you you score seventy six points. You're for me. You're you're jumping. You are you're ju- talking you're about jumping. You're up talking there. about in your poll that we're gonna come out. Yes, in a little bit. Yes, 
Not the not the preseason. Poll. No, no. In in the poll that to to be coming. I think in the preseason poll, I have to double check, and I'm going to look it up right now on our YouTube channel. I believe we had them at eleven. Yep, we had Old Miss at number eleven coming into this season. But here are some. Just I'm going to throw out some players that, and here's what we're going to do for this one. I'm going to throw out some players. Good performances, bad performances that I like this week. What you are going to do is take one and run with it. You ready? Here they are. Number one, from the Auburn-Louisville game, quarterback Jeremy Johnson, 137 yards, one touchdown, three INTs. Not a good game for Johnson. Then you have Josh Rosen, the freshman for UCLA. 351 yards and three touchdowns, no INTs against the Virginia Cavaliers. Did I tell you this guy was going to, well, I didn't know he was going to start, but did I tell you this kid was going to be good if he started? Yeah, I did. Then you have Mike Berkovici, almost just one yard shy of 200, one touchdown, no interceptions. Arizona State lays a dud against the Texas A&M Aggies. You have Malik Zaire. Yes, Notre Dame ran all over the Texas Longhorns. 300-plus yards, three touchdowns, no INTs. Oh, yeah, that's right. He also had 16 on the ground. Vernon Adams, 246 through the air, two touchdowns himself, 94 yards on the ground. And last but not least, Cody Kessler, 236, 4-0, touchdown to interception ratio. However, I will throw out Trey Madden, running back, 106 yards and a touchdown himself. Who you taking? That was a lot of names, but who you taking? Who you want to run with? Johnson, Berkovici, Rosen, Kessler, Zaire. I want to talk about your Notre Dame fighting Irish, don't you? Or Vernon Adams. Who you running with, Brandon? I see you thinking the gears are turning. Just as quarterback overall? Just the the play. Or Madden, because that was the running back I threw out. Just play... Because some of them were good. Johnson was bad. Rosen was good. Berkovici wasn't. Let's talk about that Arizona State-Texas A&M game. Mike Berkovici. Um, let's talk about <laughs> how, in the end, you thought I was the biggest idiot for saying Texas A&M. But you didn't pick them. I didn't pick them. Because <laughs> I wasn't that confident. I, I, I didn't, but how about I didn't that? Think... How about that? You had no idea. I had no confidence. And I Aggies. had a little bit enough no to say confidence. they could win. But then I went and said yeah, Arizona State no will win. No confidence at all. And Arizona State to me, it just got me thinking, like after watching this game, I know it's an SEC team and that's what I'm like trying to just talk myself off the ledge. But I'm thinking after this week one game, can this team compete for that Pac-12 South now? Because you look at at least two of the other teams in that division, UCLA's quarterback, great performance. They dominated. USC dominated and Cody Kessler dominated. Yeah, they weren't playing Texas A&M. But UCLA did play Virginia. I guess that's a Power 5 school, if you want to put it that way. But... Berkovici, 199 yards, only one touchdown. A QBR of 34.6? Really? He was, really? He was bad. 
He was really. It was bad. not good. I'll tell you well, that. Well, I'm telling you, it's because this Texas A&M defense that's revamped came out. Oh, those two defensive ends were just killer all game, all game. It was like <laughs> they were sacking Ber- Berkovici left and right. You could not oh, get. I mean, they were all over him. And you know what? I don't know if that's more of a tribute mm-hmm. to a darn good defense by A&M or a terrible offensive line. Oh, I just, to me, I feel like I'm a little scared for, I'm a little scared for ASU going into Pac-12 play. I know that they might be a better team. Like, I know you hear that whole thing. Well, this team's going to be better when they get to, like, later in the season. However, Hall and Garrett, like I said, the two defensive ends, just dominated that game, especially Miles Garrett for the Aggies. Made me a believer in Texas A&M this season. Damn. Now you're a believer. How about your Notre Dame, though? Malik Zaire, the second coming of Jesus Christ and touchdown Jesus for the Whoa. Irish. <laughs> um, he was he was really good. I'm surprised. I, I think I think in the end I, I was again. It's 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 one of these. I feel really this week. It's like was I more surprised that they were that good that that Notre Dame was that good mm-hmm. or that Texas was that pathetic? Yeah, Texas was so bad. I mean, what has gone on with them? I don't know. I just this kid maybe because I'm not an Irish an Irish fan kind of came out of nowhere for me. Like I was like Malik Malik who Malik Zahu who's this guy Zaire? Like is, is he supposed to be good? And then I mean I look at it and go well tech, like Texas Texas is a different story though because I was listening or listening watching however you want to put it to PTI today. Yeah, they're talking about Charlie Strong and how. I guess he demoted some offensive coaches, took the play calling duties away from one, gave it to the wide receivers coach for this week against Rice. Wilbon said an interesting statement about Texas. He goes, Texas will need to perform this season. He made the joke of go like 10 and one on the season now, just rattle off 10 wins straight because sooner or later, he, these Longhorn fans, he said, are the most impatient in college football and will be calling for Charlie Strong's head if they have another 6-7 and seven season this year. You know, I think that's a possibility. I really do. I mean, people expect more. The people, way, people expect more from that school. The way he exactly put it is you don't fire Mac Brown to bring in a guy who's going to go 6-7 and seven consistently. And I know Charlie Strong had success at Louisville, and I like Charlie Strong. He did great things with the guy I love in Minnesota right now, Teddy Bridgewater. The guy in Miami, Devonta Parker. However, you know, things in Texas ain't going good right now. How about Vernon Adams, though, in Oregon? Yeah, yeah, I like him. I mean, them. first game, the only thing about this game that kind of was a ooh was... He did leave. He did leave the game after getting hit in the head. He's going to play though against Michigan State. Should Oregon fans be worried though that this could happen again, maybe this season? If someone not, I'm not saying someone's going to target him, but is injury concerns 
a now, okay, now we have to worry about this with Vernon Adams because it happened once. Mariota, we didn't have to worry about that because he never got injured. You know what I'm saying? I do know what you're saying. I, I, I think, though, that um, with, with this, injury is always a concern all the time, especially mm-hmm. with a mobile quarterback. Uh, but Who I, runs for 94 yards. Yeah. I, I, I don't think that at the end of the day you you're any more nervous than anyone else. you got to let him play football, mm-hmm. and he's going to play football. He's going to play football the way he knows to play football. Mm-hmm. He's going to be successful. Last game, your takeaway from Cody Kessler and USC. I know it was I know it was Arkansas State, but come on, Cody Kessler, four and zero touchdown to interception ratio was pretty good, right? Pretty good. Cody Kessler is really good, and I think that you should be the one talking about him because you're the one who has talked about him. I feel like throughout the preseason, oh, I love him. And, I love this and, kid, and, and in the off season, not the preseason, but the off season, and. I, I want to hear your thoughts. What do you think? What do you expect from him this season? This is exactly the quarterback we need to see from USC if they want to a win, win the Big Twelve, win the Pac twelve. I almost said Big Twelve, win the Pac twelve like I have them projected, and make the national championship game. I believe I have them winning it. I think that's what I said. I think what beating TCU is what I said. So in order for them to win the national championship. Cody Kessler needs to do this consistently. I don't want to see it just against Arkansas State. I don't want to see that. I want to see it against State. I better see it September 19th against Stanford. I better see it the 26th against ASU. Because just from week one, and I mean, you could go in and kind of say, well, Ricky, this is kind of week one overreactions. Idaho... He's going to do it again because Idaho's a weak team. But just based on week one, I should see these similar stats against Stanford, against Arizona State, against Washington. Now, just after week one, I am really confident that USC can walk into Notre Dame on October 17th as a 5-0 and team. Well, they should. I mean, I think at the and end... And then, man, that the last thing I was going to say, that October 17th game, can you imagine undefeated, undefeated, undefeated versus undefeated, Kessler versus, versus Zaire? I think that would oh. be a great... I think that would be a great game. I think uh, when you look at it... It, this 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 USC team is just a it, it, they're a better team than mm-hmm. the teams that they're playing. They they shouldn't lose to them. I mean, you, you bring up Washington, you bring up teams like that. USC is a better team. USC is a, a, a it's a good program, and and you know what? <laughs> I think that really when you look at it, they don't. <laughs> their coach could be a drunk, a an alcoholic, whatever. He can get drunk and talk some smash talk. As Who long really as they cares? Win. As long as, as, long as, they as win. long as they win. Uh, but they're good. Can I ask you a different important question about a different team in the Pac-12 South? How important or how will the knee injury to Arizona linebacker Scooby Wright affect the Wildcats? Because as of right now, he's he's projected to miss three to four weeks. If he misses three weeks, he doesn't play against Nevada, doesn't play against Northern Arizona. Okay, Not the toughest opponent, but more importantly, he will definitely miss 
the game against UCLA on the 26th. And he will definitely miss, well, definitely miss the UCLA game, possibility of missing the Stanford game on October 3rd. He could miss the first two. Will miss the first conference game, could miss the first two. I don't know. I I, I, I really, uh, in a sport like this, I never like to think that one guy is going to make a break. But a guy of certain talents can really have a huge impact on mm-hmm. whether you're there or not there. When he's there, his I mean, presence is felt. When look he's at Joey not, Bosa. When, and when he's not, his presence is all, the lack of his presence yeah, Just like Joey felt. Bosa this past Monday. So, I don't know. I mean, that that could be a small cause, small, say small, cause for concern for the Wildcats. Do I think that tanks their season? No. Could it give them some question marks in the next couple of weeks? Yes, but it's always next man up. Next man up, next man up. That's why you have okay, so Baltimore. many people. Okay, Baltimore Ravens, next man up, next man. That's all you hear the Ravens say. No, but I'm saying. When someone goes down. No, no but seriously. Every, every, no, I know what you're saying. Th- they may say it, but every team knows it. Mm-hmm. That's why you have a 53-man you know, squad. Here, here's you, the so thing, the next man can come up. Here's the thing that concerns me about this injury. It's September 26th because November 7th and November 21st, when they play U- USC and Arizona State, let's be honest. Scooby Wright's going to be back for those games. He's going to be fine for those games because he's going to come back beginning of October, October 10th, it looks like. And then he'll have a month to kind of get back into football playing ready. And by USC, he's back to where he was week one. That's what I think. However, when you're missing that UCLA game and we saw what the freshman Rosen can do, I'm sitting there, and if I'm Rich Rod, I'm kind of scratching my head a little bit like, how do I get to this kid? Because I say, and I mentioned it during your little spiel, was just look at this past Monday with Ohio State. They did, okay, did Joey Bosa not being in the game affect the outcome? No, because that offense is just way too powerful for the Buckeyes. However, we saw it in that game. His replacement, the freshman, just couldn't solidify the edge like Bosa does. There were things that Virginia Tech was able to do on offense early that they may not have been able to do if Bosa was in the game. Those are the things I think we're going we're going to see it early against Nevada, against Northern Arizona. They're going to win those games, no problem. However, when we get to UCLA, I think Rosen... Mora and the Bruins are going to be able to exploit what won't be there in Scooby Wright. That's what I believe. And I, Stanford I, right now can't. They could throw a football and couldn't hear the hit the broadside of a barn right now. That's my thoughts on the Cardinal. And I I I think you're right. I I, I think when when you when you when you look at it, that could totally happen. Mm-hmm. And when you're able to exploit something, you go at it, and you go at it, and you go at it. And if you continue to do that, and there's no stopping it, there's a lot of success on the other side. Last thing you want to mention before we wrap up shop today for the podcast. Anything we missed in the 
week one of college football. Anything we missed? Anything we missed Anything in week we one? Missed. What didn't we talk about? Oh, here. About? I've got one final thing. We okay. don't even have to expand. Okay. Auburn. Louisville. I thought that this game was going to not be that close. Mm-hmm. I really did. It was Jeremy Johnson's play that did it. I 31-24. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, I thought Auburn was really going to run away. Not necessarily run away. I mean, I I was interested for it because I thought, you know what? I want to see what Louisville can do. Mm-hmm. And that's what I'm saying in words. But in my head, I'm thinking, Auburn is going away with it. it was they never Jer- did. It was Jeremy Johnson is the reason why this game was as close as it was. When you have a quarterback that completes, what, 50% of his passes, 137 yards, goes one for three touchdowns to INTs. I'm sitting there and I'm going, okay, well, doesn't really look that good. What are you going to do? And Louisville had ever chance to win this game. It doesn't help them when your quarterback goes nine of 20 for 100 yards and an INT. So I think Louisville couldn't do what Northwestern did. Auburn didn't give the game away like Stanford did. That's how I'm going to describe this one. But that is going to do it for this week, the Primetime Podcast. I mean, you can follow me on Twitter, at Ricky Widmer. Brandon is at Young underscore Swan 19. If you don't want to remember all that, just go to mostvaluablepodcasts.com. Right on the right-hand side, it has my Twitter feed, Brandon's Twitter feed, Mark's Twitter feed. You can just go ahead, click that, and it'll bring us bring you right to our Twitter page. Most Valuable Podcast is at Most Valuable Pod. Make sure to check out all our cool videos and our podcasts on the SoundCloud and YouTube channel. If you like the podcast, go ahead, hit that like button. If you loved it, hit the subscribe button. I want to thank everyone for checking this one out. Can't wait to talk Week 2 football. With you guys next week, and as always, have a good day, everybody. Thank you for listening to this MVP podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Most Valuable Pod for more great podcasts.